your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to you. Man, what day is it today? It's Thursday. It's hard for me to remember what day it is every day, and everyone laughs why I do that. Uh, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Lacrosse, fire chief, new fire chief, Jeff Shaw. He's not, you're not even really new anymore, I guess, and you're not new in terms of uh, the fire department because you've been here for 23 years, right? Like, it'll, it'll be, what year is it? Is it 20? It'll be 2020. We're going to have to we're 22 do this. Years 22 last, years last week. Last week, okay. Did you have a party? Do you have a party when that happens in 22 years? No, but I, I think there's, as time goes on, you have a better recognition of how much time has gone on and how fast it's really gone. So I have a better appreciation every year that goes on about the knowledge you gain. And yeah, um, and and you're and also you're almost like six months exactly on the job as fire chief, huh? I am. How we, we it took a long time for us to. I, and I couldn't tell you how many months before Ken Gilliam retired, before you were hired. Do you, do you, did you throw your name in the hat right away, or did you have to think about this and be like, oh, I don't know? Yeah, it's it's interesting how that process works and and how it worked for me. I think there was not something that I had planned on, you know, twenty years ago, and said my ultimate goal is to become a fire chief. I think it was a process that naturally progressed, and as the selection process began um, just had an opportunity to talk a little bit more with my coworkers, trying to figure out you know what and where we wanted to go as a department and because I had been in part of the department for over 20 years it you know it, it meant a lot that I was asked to be the interim assistant chief but in doing that when I was asking a little bit more out of more people and we had to step up do some leadership things succession planning started to look at ways that maybe I'd look at my own career to move forward and help out and be not just the, the guy that wants to, you know, be the placeholder for the next guy to come in, but actually look at having an impact on the department. And um, quite honestly, it was uh, a lot of family talk, a lot of coworkers um, encouraged me to put my name uh, into the mix, and eventually I did, and, and, and here we sit. Were there anyone... I, I I don't know if you get to see who applied for the job. Was there outside uh, people trying to get uh, yeah, the that fire was, chief job? Yeah, that was pretty well publicized. There was there was outside candidates that the Police and Fire Commission picked from a group that had applied, and then they had started the interview process, and I was um, on the on the back end of that, the last one to be interviewed. Because just thinking about this, when you're 20 years on the in the fire department, and you think about okay. I'm, I'm, you're what, like second and third in line in succession there. It's not like a, a politics thing where if, if that, you know, but, um, and, and you just think, okay, well, somebody else from out of town is going to come in here and you don't know that, like, it'd be different if a coworker, right? Like a, another colleague was applying for the fire chief. You could look at that person and go, okay, yeah, I could see him being a fire chief or I could see not. But you have this unknown, then you're like, you know what? I better. Th- was it one of those? I better throw my name in the hat here because if somebody else comes from the outside, we don't know this person or what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I don't think it was much about who was applying, as is about what what the what encompassed the job in lacrosse as a fire chief and was unique. And I'm not going to say whether I did or did not. I mean, that's the eye of the beholder. But I think someone who has twenty some years of experience and and four of that being chief-level experience as a battalion chief, I have a distinct advantage coming in and knowing the city. I know the unique hazards of the city. I helped construct some of the standards of covered documents. 
that that involve how we cover the city with the resources that we have. Uh, it's involved in the accreditation process. Um, you know how we look at ourselves from a third party perspective and how we're performing. Wrote some of those standards. Was a leader of a hazmat team. I had a lot of experience, and it's it's not that. I didn't want to be the fire chief because I think there's more difficulties that come with that, especially politically. And, you know, I had no experience in the political side of things and I didn't have the master's degree that, you know, was preferred in that side of it. But for me to just look inside and say, can I step forward and lead? And a lot of that was my coworkers saying, you can, yeah, you, definitely. Can, you can do this and, and we want you to do this. We're speaking with Fire Chief Jeff Schott for the hour. If you have questions, shoot me a text, 608-785-7914. Okay, let me do your bio quick, and you can just you can add to this. 1997 UW-Eau Claire graduate with a major in criminal justice. Uh, And then you graduated from Middleton High School, so you grew up in the Madison area. Uh, Graduated from the Louis Garland Fire Academy. So you went to San Antonio, just like, well, we're going to get some more. That's the all- military training center for all firefighters. So that's Army, oh, Navy, okay. Air Force, Marines, all trained there for firefighting. Maybe I did this out of order. I did do this out of order, maybe. So, but from 1999 to 2007, you were in the Minnesota Air National Guard and a staff sergeant and firefighter there. So you have been you were doing that for quite a while. Um, okay, so 99 into 07. And National Guard, that's something you kind of – that's yeah. like a part-time thing, right? Like, Yeah, I didn't to, to be – to explain it correctly, I, I did things a little backwards. I went to college, got a degree, worked in the in a field for a little bit, realized that's not what I wanted to do, and then I went into the Air National Guard. Because and, usually you have the National yeah, Guard pay for your college, yeah, right? Yeah, that's what that's what the normal <laughs> trajectory is for someone that's looking to advance their career and get their school paid for. But that's not what I did. I I found a pathway uh, into the into the fire service and EMS through. Um, a coworker and eventually got into an EMT class and met a guy that said, Hey, if you want to be a firefighter, you got to go to the guard. Um, I, I belong to the guard unit. And, you know, six months later, I was joined up with the guard and in fire school after I completed basic training. So did you go to UW Eau Claire with a, a, an idea of being like a, like a police investigator or something like that? Criminal justice could be a lot of things. I guess I don't even know. <laughs> well, college is a, it's a broad field, very broad field study. So my emphasis was more on the, the social studies and social work side of things. So you can tailor your major up there. But I, I will say that it was my second year and I took intro to policing and I realized there was no way I'm going to be a police officer. That's not for me. Mm-hmm. So I worked in uh, residential treatment as a treatment counselor. I sort of went that route out of college and, and realized that was not what I wanted to do the next 35 years. I had better suited <laughs> talents. And quite frankly, I, I missed the team aspect. And I knew that in firefighting, uh, emergency services side of it, that it's just an incredible opportunity to have great team members around you and be a part of something that's so bigger than you. We I all thought that's what I wanted to do. We know? all do this in college. We go to college and a couple of years in, we're like, nope, I don't, I don't even know. Like, I didn't even know what I wanted to do. And now I'm in front of a microphone. This is nothing I did in college. So Yeah, and I, uh, I think that's something for anybody out there that has that decision making. You don't feel the pressure. You have to pick one or the other. Sometimes you have to experience life. And that's um, that, you know, that's been a pathway for me my entire career. You know, everybody just, should just go backpacking for a year after high school, right? Like everybody should, or something. Uh, 608-785-7914. We're going to continue this conversation with Jeff Schott, talk about some of the uh, new fire stations in La Crosse, the plan there, uh, recruiting. I want to talk about just the fi- firefighting in general. And then in, you've been, you guys have been busy this week too as well. I mean, Yeah, unfortunately we've, uh, we've started a campaign with Keep the Wreath Green. 
Yeah. Uh, that that was launched, and that's what the area fire that department. That starts in the beginning of December. Yeah, that's the beginning of December. And it's and it's already red, right? We like, already have three red bulbs, and that's not a good start to December. So. All right, we'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM six zero eight. Seven eight five seven nine one four is the text line. If you want to shoot me a text, you gotta, you want to harass the f- new fire chief. Now is time to do it. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. Now, did you now as the fire chief just to you know throw your weight around? Do you drive the huge truck around, or do you even get to drive those those things anymore? I don't. Or maybe you never. I don't were. get to do that. It's as weird. much as I would like, but I, I say it is refreshing. And if I if I do get the urge, I, I do have the ability to kick whoever out of the driver's seat and say, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. You know, but I, that is something I, I think that is always somebody's, you know, if you, every, they say every child at some point wanted to be a firefighter or police right. officer or something like that and drive the shiny red fire truck. Well, there's a whole Seinfeld yeah. episode on it where, where you know, Kramer wants to drive in the, he's the back of the ladder truck, right? Or whatever that is. I, that still is on my bucket list. I've never got to do that. Oh, you have yeah, to drive you, the tiller. Yeah. Do you have a truck that is like that? We do not have a tiller. Okay. So there that's are, also on your bucket list to get a tiller? Not to get a tiller. I don't, <laughs> I, I think they're a little bit cost prohibitive due to, you know, just the size and, and how they navigate the city yeah, streets. It'd be great to drive down what, uh, Cass, is it Cass Street? It'd be fun to try to get that down Cass Street, right? That would not be my street of selection. <laughs> right. If you want to drive <laughs> no. that for the first time. No. Um, like, what is a, like, what is the training like for, I mean, you have to, you obviously you have to go to, I think, tech school for two years to be a fire. Can you just kind of break down how, because you're, you're probably always looking for firefighters, right? We are. We are always looking. And one of the things that has changed, uh, especially in the last uh, couple of decades, is one, there's the a technological age where a lot of the learning that, that UI conventionally went to school for, where, where teachers are writing on literally uh, transparency sheets and overheads. Yeah. Is all the Elmo. The, the yes, Elmo. The, the, visual, the visual side of things and how people learn is a little bit different. Some of the requirements haven't changed, but the standards are, have generally been the same. What has been different is there were 400 people that applied for my job in 1999 when I put in for lacrosse fire. We're getting an average of about 40 right now. And that process has not changed that much, but it, in fact, I thought it's become a little bit easier to get into some of the portals and the tech schools and some of the testing. But as far as what lacrosse fire department requires, most of our individuals that get hired, they have an associate's degree or higher. That's not as absolutely essential, but they do have to have uh, a firefighter two certification and your EMT basic. How and long does it take to get the the certification? The certifications generally people can get those in a year if you don't have the associate's degree. But a lot of students go into the fire programs that we have throughout the state or whatever state that they come from, and you can do that consecutively. So if you have an associate's degree in fire protection, which is what seventy two credits somewhere around that time, you know eighty, you can take your EMT. Uh, which is a semester course, you know, two or three times a week that runs concurrently with some of the other classes that you take. And you could come out with two years with everything. Or if you already had a degree, most people can get their certifications in about a year between EMT and Firefighter 1 and 2. And then, um, you're, so you're getting about 40 applicants per opening right we now? Get, we get about 40 applicants. And I think our last round of interviews was in the 20s. And then what are you looking for? Do you, do you want the like 21 year old who's, uh, you know, young and healthy and can run up and down, you know what I mean? Or do you, are you looking for, I don't know, what are you looking for when it comes to that first, first, first hires? Well, I think more importantly than that, we, without age aside, we've hired 
uh, 20-year-olds and we've hired 45-year-olds. So it doesn't really matter the age. It's really how you present yourself in terms of your attitude and your effort. And we all have to meet the same physical standard when you come in the door. You have to take a, what they call a CPAT test, which is pretty involved testing uh, physically. You have to take a physical. You have to take a, um, a psychological exam, and then you have to pass the written. So once you get through that, that, that hurdle, then it's really how you present yourself to whatever panel that you sit in front of. And we ask some pretty poignant questions about where you want to go and what you want to do with your career. And quite honestly, we're looking for people with a good work ethic. They want to be part of a team, and they want to serve their community. And, and that's something that uh, we pride ourselves on. And we, I mean, I think that's a standard I think every fire chief would want all of his firefighters to be in. Um, that's what we're looking for. When that 400 number goes down to 40, is that more so because of the standards? I need this, all these, because uh, I'm not going to remember his last name. Kevin, we play volleyball at the Y. A big, big, huge red-headed guy. You, you've, retired. you've worked to him. He retired, yeah. yep. Um, I remember sitting, we sit in the hot tub after playing volleyball, and I'm like, so what do I need to do to be it? And he's like, oh, you couldn't be a fire because he's giving me the, you need the degree. And I'm like, oh, where did you get your degree? And he goes, oh, I didn't have to have a degree because before there was a standard there before he's kind of grandfathered in. And I'm like, oh, okay, Kevin, look at you. Like you don't even have to do the thing. Um, but is the number, the number of applicants from 400 to 40 mostly because of the standards or more so because uh, these positions are just less and less people are applying for them? I, I think it's a little bit of both. I, I think the standards are a little bit they, – they haven't changed much over the years. I mean, the physical standards and what's, what's required physically. You can require the degrees, and the degrees are haven't become any, I don't think, harder to achieve. But what's more important than degrees, and we've hired people without degrees with equivalent experience, is that you have, you have a work history or you have something that's behind you. Um, and you can everybody could go to college and get a degree or go to tech school, and that's fine. But, um, again, more important to me personally, and this is just me speaking as the fire chief of La Crosse, is what do you bring to the table in terms of your attitude and effort, the things that you can control. Um, the online degree programs and that, that's something I'm not really familiar with. All of my classes in college and, and tech school were all in person, had to be present for. So maybe that's a little bit different. I also think that there's just less, there's less workers out there that are interested, and I'm not sure why that is. Um, we're doing our darnest to try to figure that out because I would, we would like to get the most qualified, diverse group of individuals into this fire department. One thing we do have that other fire departments don't have is that uh, part of our duty day is mandatory physical fitness. And that is something I think uh, is fundamental to everything else that breeds success in a successful fire department is you need to be mentally and physically ready. That's our number one priority. Well, and there you're losing 360 applicants. Whoa, I have to take a physical fitness test? No, I'm just kidding. Um, is that something that you, I, I guess when you took over as fire chief, did you uh, come in with the iron fist? We're going to be physical. Fi- I don't know. Did you make any changes? I'm, I'm kidding. The, like you're the, you know, this, Bob, this was, Bobby uh, Knight of fire chiefs or <laughs> no, something. No, I, I wasn't throwing any chairs around the kitchen. You know, <laughs> old Bobby could throw quite a tantrum. And not to say that, you know, a lot of us are the alpha individuals were yeah, that time high intense we're high intense right but that's not the way this came about this has been a cultural change that started when i started yep you know we're, we're talking about station one which just got remodeled that had one bathroom and one shower and we worked out in a basement that was unfinished <laughs> and literally there was equipment that really wasn't fit for like a a second class holiday in yeah so we've come a long way to where we're at now uh, and it is a cultural change there's no, nobody drinks or smokes, or uh, I'm not saying they drink and smoke on duty, but there was no, there's no more smoking or use of tobacco. We signed something that says we can't do that oh, anymore. Oh, really? Yeah, so 
the physical standards and the cancer presumption laws and all the things that protect us for our health and, you know, why we can retire a little bit earlier than everybody else is, is about maintaining a level of fitness that has to serve your community. And that's, that's, that's what ultimately this came about. And it happened the last couple of years that we had a, and Chief Gilliam and, and some of our other administrative staff, as well as our the local 127, the Professional Firefighters of Wisconsin of La Crosse, all believed that this was something that was important and came together and said, yeah, this is something we want to do. It would be weird if you had, like, uh, a little smoke break behind the fire department and you see a bunch of firefighters out there. I never thought about it. But I, and, but I came from the military, too, on, the, on that side of it. I think I, there were two of us in my entire firefighting unit that didn't either chew or, or smoke. So that culture has to change as well. Yeah. And that's something that we've seen over the years and it's just healthier. I'm not, I'm not playing judgy judgerton and judging people out there that do or don't. It's just that it, it's just proven science. What well, would be weird too, if you're fighting a fire and you've got all the oxygen and then you're coughing because you, you know, people who smoke end up having the phlegmy, like you're trying, like it just yeah. doesn't, it doesn't co- correlate. That's one of the changes that I've seen in the fire service since I've been in is there's, there's no more, there's, there's no pride in eating the smoke from a fire and there's no pride in, in treating your body, you know, less than it should be to keep in prime condition to, to do the job that we do. Um, we got two minutes. Can you can you break down like a, a firefighter's day? Like it's just somebody that's like a, a basic day for a, because I know the schedule's a little different, right? There's a 24 hour schedule, and I don't know beyond that. I don't really. Know. Yeah. So the the crews now uh, the on shift crews are running a 48-96, so they work 48 hours consecutively. Oh, okay. And they have 96 hours off, so it's four days off. So every day that they come in, we have what's called a duty day. So they work uh, from 8 to 4, a normal 8-hour day. And inside that day, they have mandatory physical fitness time, which is usually about an hour. Different crews, uh, they rely on the house captain or the officer in charge of that station to schedule that. So um, a lot of, some groups do group training. Uh, some groups do individual workouts, whatever they want to do, but they do that. And then we have some type of scheduled training or inspections or there's some type of prevention activity and obviously a lunch, and then there's standby time after that. So we're pretty busy throughout the day. There's regular maintenance on the trucks. There's station cleaning, all the historical stuff that's gone into the firefighting. It's it's just they have a little bit more flexibility to accomplish what I call the three things. Maintain your equipment, get your fit, physical fitness in, and get your training in for the day, and then you're good to go. Do you have, off the top of your head, do you know, like, okay, so in a typical 48 hours, you know, the, you, you might get a fire call or a call like one out of every one out of every of those 48 hours or maybe you're out twice a twice a shift is there data to do you know that off the top of your head well in terms of each station or how i mean we run 7200 calls we're going to run about 7300 calls this year mm. when i started there was 3600 okay so the run volume has doubled in the last 20 years and there's a lot of reasons for that but it does sort of you know, throughout your day, the calls are the priority no matter what happens. Right, for That's sure. That's what you're I'm just wondering how many times in a 48-hour shift a typical firefighter might get a call. Is it five or is it one and a half? Well, you know uh, I mean? it's, it's funny. I was looking at some of the some of the run data using some of our software to look at that. And, like, I, I know that Station 4 had 1,400 calls last year. You know, that's on the far north side. They get an average of four to six calls a day. You know, some of them, most of them EMS. Okay, there it uh, is. They, 46 they were, calls they, were they were first in on the America's best value in fire. You know, mm-hmm. that it could be random. So they could go on ten calls in that forty eight hour period, they could go on five. Yeah. But it's never zero, huh? Almost never. <laughs> uh, in my career I can say I've never come to work and gone on zero calls. 
Okay. Well, there you go. 22 years. Uh, 608-785-7914 is a talk and text line. We're going to continue the conversation with Fire Chief Jeff Schott after this. All right. Welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. 608-785-7914. Fire Chief Jeff Schott's in the studio with me. He's going to go to a city council meeting here in about 20 minutes. What are what are we doing at the city council? Are, okay, so the, I know the city council meeting, we're, we're renegotiating the contract with the Cooley Region Humane Society, and the police have decided to become the dog catchers, quote-unquote. Not really, but like the, 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 the dog. Are you guys going to get stuck with doing that too? Or you're going to also – because, you know, you do all the cats in the trees, but now it sounds like the police are going to do uh, getting the cats out of the trees. Maybe you didn't know this. I did hear about that, and congratulations to the police department. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, just uh, I'll help them any way I can. How many cats and trees calls do you get a year? Zero. We do get. You get one. Yes, once in a while? I have fielded quite a few actually over my career. Are you mad that I brought it up because you're gonna? No. I'm just reemphasizing no. the fact that people call the fire. Department. No, I mean, uh, if you, if you really think about it, and I've had this experience too in house fires that there are people their pets mean as much to their kids. Or, and I, I get that because I, I have a pet too at home. And when their pets are in peril, just like anybody's kid or a human being, they, they call 911 and they, they want help. It's and a, it's it gets a weird, to the fire department. It's a weird thing in news. And this I'll just say it. Like if somebody dies in a fire, an adult, not a child or anything, it'll, it'll make headlines. But if like a couple of dogs or something are either die in a fire or are rescued in a fire, it's going to get way more interest, which for whatever reason, I don't. I don't know why, you know, like, I guess we can all kind of, any pet owner could probably understand that, but that's just the reality of it. Yeah, it is a reality and human life obviously is, is on another plane, I think to, to most people's conscious level. But, um, we've had, there's been a couple of sad moments in my career. There's been a couple of real wins where we've got pets out, you know, and, and it really meant a lot to those people. And, you know, we've, we've had some successful revival efforts and, um, but to go back to the original cats and trees, um, we don't really see too many cats that have trouble getting down right on their own from the trees i but, made this i made this joke to the mayor yeah. on monday and he goes just leave the cat alone it'll come out of the tree <laughs> yeah they do they do um yeah, unfortunately though out. some other animals get themselves in into some bad situations but um all right so you guys like you guys have been very busy would you say you've been very busy i i will get reports i don't know if we get all the reports from from your battalion chiefs, the, the the emailed reports, I don't know if we get them all. I think when you talk about there's however many calls in a day, we definitely don't get 40 PDFs in a day from yeah, EMS we, calls. We but, sort of have those standards um, as far as when we release uh, something to the press that goes out. And one of them is it's a significant enough event that we had a full alarm, which means we had a full uh, cadre of firefighters and fire trucks rolling, and we, we flowed water of some kind on an incident. So yeah. that's pretty much our standard for setting a fire response. So in that regard, yeah. you know, in terms of stuff getting to the press, it feels like this week it started with the Holland incident uh, and one of our coworkers here had video of it. I don't know if you checked that out. Yeah, I did. Um, and then uh, the the hotel or motel where the quick trip people had to come with a fire extinguisher next door and, and help put it out. Or And then um, what else? There was one other one. I wrote it down, and then there was just a, a, a kitchen fire in a in a trailer somewhere. Yeah, we had it on the far south side of town, on off of MM there in the trailer park. We had a, a trailer fire there. Are you is it Are you busier this week? Is it is it a winter thing? Is it a December thing, or just quint, uh, coincidence? Well, I if I had any ability to predict, 
you know, right. I would I would be working somewhere else. But uh, unfortunately, these incidents and when we obviously roll out a program to prevent these things and we start out the month, uh, the week like this, it's not it's not good. But there sometimes there's no rhyme or reason to any of these things. And what we do want to raise awareness of is that around the holidays, it seems we do have an uptick in these calls, which is why we started to keep the wreath green with the surrounding fire departments. And that's one thing that is important on the front end is that we get the prevention piece out so that we don't respond. But unfortunately, this week hasn't been uh, good for numbers so far. You guys put out something on candles. We'll just do this. We'll do the fire safety thing. Real. I My prediction is in the, in the winter, you guys would maybe get more calls for stuff like this because um, I'm doing this. I'm, I have a space heater next to my – when I'm working on the – I have – and it's plugged into a – and out, not the outlet in the wall, but into, you know, the, the extension cord with the, the trip. I can't think of the, the term for it, but um, you'll probably be like, don't do that. Uh, so a lot of people are running more space heaters. And then you, you have the thing on candles. Uh, Christmas lights are out in trees and Christmas lights are up in houses. Is it is that probably that's probably why it's uh, this time of year is a little bit more uh, dangerous for firefighters and for for people. Right. Yeah, I think uh, just just the, uh, the level of activity. You know, people turn electricity and use power a lot more, obviously, with the winter weather and the, and the light situation. I will say that the, the string of lights, the LEDs, have have allowed there to be more capacity, obviously, and you can get a longer string of lights uh, with the same amount of electricity. But um, we certainly do see an uptick, especially in cooking. Cooking is still our number one issue in the city in terms of fires and, obviously, smoking materials. But the heating, the space heating stuff, when it gets really cold and we see people, any measures that they take to keep warmer, and when it gets colder, mm-hmm. yeah, it puts people at risk. Definitely. Oh, yeah, fireplaces too, I suppose. I didn't even think of we that. Do, we don't have, we don't see, when there was a lot more, it seemed like wood burning, or we had some chimney fires even when I started in the first few years, and we're seeing less and less of that. The, the wood burning stoves have been gotten more efficient, safer, and a lot of people, like myself, have gas insert fireplaces. Um, yeah, I definitely have like a, like a, it's an out, what would you call it? It's, it's a fireplace that you could have sitting out of the wall, but they put it in the wall. So it doesn't, it sucks. It doesn't heat my house at all. Uh, it's just for looks, I think. Uh, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line, or the text line, if you want to shoot me a text to Fire Chief Jeff Shot. Um, all right, so we got recruiting in. We Oh, new fire stations. The one at UWL is kind of the one that's being built now. There's the, we had the dilemma over the last couple of years about the historic fire station that you had, and we were going to tear that down. And then the historic people were like, no, it's a historic building. So um, I guess where, where are we at with the fire station plans? So station two, which is on lacrosse street, just behind the quick trip West Avenue there and on UWL adjacent to it, that is underway. Um, they are doing the sheetrocking right now. Uh, I took a tour last week and i told they're making progress, steady progress, and we hope to be in by March at some point. Okay, by March. And when that happens, do you have, is that going to be the, like, nicest fire station you have where everybody's going to want to work out of there? Unfinished, it was the nicest fire station we've had in La Crosse. The the amount of space is actually daunting to me um, in terms of safety and things that we have, amenities we have not had in our fire station. So I think it is is going to be um, beneficial to our crews. And um, I think my office definitely will be an upgrade. <laughs> when, when you say amenities, do you mean like the exhaust from the fire trucks isn't going into the sleeping quarters? 
Because <laughs> I feel yes. like that used to be an issue, right? Yes, or still and, is. Yes, and we one of the one of the things I do like is we kept we kept the poles. We have we have brass poles going in to get down to the to the first floor. I think that's part of an historical piece. It's also faster to get to the trucks. I was gonna say, are you actually yeah. using them too? Yeah, or? we we use them and we have to. to how get many our turnout how time. many times have you sprained your ankle trying to do that? Has I've, anybody? I've only been injured that? once, and that was on a door that was open, and um, I unfortunately lost a pair of pants and uh, a piece of my anatomy. I don't want to get into. Oh, okay. <laughs> But no pole incident. Not, well, maybe the pole incident. But no, we've we've had we've had some minor injuries. But one of the things that I think um, they've done is is to get a little bit safer. Is uh, they put obviously padding and um, we have safety devices around the poles a little bit. There's been issues nationwide, and I think we've had one injury in our history of our department. But when you talk it about, is faster. When you talk about all this training and physical, is there pole slide like sliding down the pole training too? Do you do a half hour? I, a day? I never received any official pole sliding, <laughs> but I will say there there is different styles. <laughs> you need to. I think my uh, the the division chief when I got hired is like you might want to slide that pole first, you know, before you actually try to use it. Yeah, before it's an emergency, yeah. just figure it out. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, also, let's let's do other cliches from the fire department. We were talking about pets. Do you have any Dalmatians? Uh, any any? I think you do have a pet. Do you have a pet? We therapy? did. We did. We do not have a pet therapy dog. You don't. Okay. Um, I think. Oh, maybe the police someday. department. The police, police department, department just, just got, got one. one. Um, adorable, by the way. Um, we do. We did have an, an arson dog, Winston. That, that was with one of our firefighters, uh, Assistant Chief Murphy. That was his dog for several years. It was eight years in service, I believe, in our department and lived right in the stations with us. What, is the, what does that mean? An he was dog? specially trained to sniff for accelerants uh, and could detect the presence of any type of accelerant that may have been used in a fire. So like an arson dog. Oh, so after yeah. the fact, he'll come in and yeah, figure specially out. Specially trained, very well disciplined. Would that come in handy right now? I mean, just in general, um, or do I you think guys the, have other tools that would? We we have some other tools, but I, I think one of the things that um, is difficult is the amount of time and effort that goes into training, you know, that training that type of dog and having that dog, and you know, maybe it's something we do again. And like you said, talking about therapy dogs, uh, where firefighters are obviously more prone to see some things that they shouldn't. Yeah, you know, human beings shouldn't throughout their career. It builds up. Therapy dog be a nice way, but you know. I, I like to have a dog in the station. Well, the police department just needs to bring the therapy dog around once in a while, right? That's all that has to happen. I was thinking, like, that would just be an added responsibility for the fire department as your building inspectors, your EMS, uh, your dive team. I might be forgetting one. And then now you're also the pet therapy people. You have to go around and that not a responsibility you need. Yeah, to do. I, I don't know if that's a responsibility on the fire department, but I certainly, I, I, I know the value of them. I know family right. members that have them. And they are—they mean a lot to people. And, and in this day and age, anything you can do to increase your mental health and, and your wellness piece, uh, we're, we're going to try it. All right, we're speaking with Fire Chief Jeff Shot. We're going to wrap up here. But um, in the last two years, we've had two huge downtown fires: Casino Bar Fire and the India Curry Restaurant. And okay, so the Casino Bar Fire—and you can correct me if I'm wrong—but essentially, like somebody was trying to keep warm and in the alley behind the bar. Um, starting a fire, like literally just trying to keep warm out there. And I think that's what started that fire, uh, took it out. And then the India Curry restaurant, we don't know. That building is now just a pile of dirt. I think they're just filling it. Uh, do we still, and will will we not know how that fire started? That fire is officially undetermined. Okay. I remember we were, uh, when, I, when Gilliam was in here, and we were kind of just, we were taking calls and questions about that. Um, because at the point, the fire, you have to put the fire out, and then you had to de- demo the building 
And when that happens, is that just, okay, well, we're not, it's going to be very hard to figure out. For safety reason, we have to demo the building to make sure the fire doesn't reignite. But also that really prevents your, your ability to figure out how it started, right? Yeah, there's there's type of a, a, a two-layered process to that. There's the initial, okay, what where was the where's the origin of the fire, which tries to narrow it down to a part of the building. But like like you you pointed out, when you take down an entire building for safety reasons so the rest of the block doesn't go, it puts a, a lot of burden on our investigators. But the, the other side of the, the other layer is there's also insurance companies that have their own investigation, so that parallels ours. And in that particular case, a lot of that debris was hauled down to the Isle of Plume where our, you know, our city shops are uh, right along the Mississippi there. And once you move that process, it becomes extremely difficult and it becomes time sensitive. And, you know, there is, there is money at stake and anytime you're talking about large amounts of time. So I'm not sure how exactly the insurance side of it went about their process, but it was extremely hard to determine. Well, origin of that fire. How much value is there in knowing how that fire started? A, it was downtown, so the the danger of having downtown go up is is pretty big because every building is next to each other. And then when you know when you know the casino bar, how the casino bar fire fire started, you can kind of okay, well, let's not do that again. But just the the idea that oh, the India Curry restaurant went up because of this. Hey, everybody, this is the this is you know what I mean the. The, the, determining the cause might help just awareness for, for the rest of downtown and the rest of society, really. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and frankly, I, I think probably the most difficult part of the investigation is that started, we know they started in the basement. We, can, we know that for sure. And when you take down a building, that's the, that is the, not only the ground floor, it's right. the basement floor. That's what everything fell you know, on top of. So to get to the root of origin on that fire was extremely difficult and yes it would be nice to say definitively what it is it's it's just not something we could say definitively the facts did not support a definitive cause um and then the town of holland there was a shed fire last weekend and it was it started from greece was, was somebody frying a turkey out there where, where i guess i don't even know what i i haven't seen the official report on that i just know what was released and it, it did involve uh some type of of grease from a turkey fryer and oh, i'm not was, sure okay. what the specific circumstances were and um apparently it was it was pretty clear uh, otherwise they wouldn't release it to the media okay so well that makes sense if it's a turkey i have fryer. not I seen thinking, it, like, i have not officially seen that report I have, yet i have a uh, Two brothers and a dad that are mechanics, and I'm thinking, like, grease, okay, what uh, what kind of grease would get so hot working on a car or something that would start on fire? But turkey fryer makes more sense, but okay. And, and I'm not sure if that it was that. I, I just know it was it was cooking grease. All right, yeah. yeah I'm, okay. I, I don't know if it was in a we pot could have made, what, We could have been making French fries. So, um, All right, Jeff, I know you got to get to the city council meeting, so I'll let you go, but I appreciate you coming on, man. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. All right, we're going to take one more break and wrap up. All right, we're just going to wrap up here, Lacrosse Talk PM, on a Thursday. Coming up tomorrow, you'd be Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Chergoski. See what kind of trouble we can get into with him um, and some other people. So, Hunger Task Force, kind of like the important time. This, the, the, I think people, a lot of people are into the thought of giving around this time. Obviously, for obvious, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas. It was great having the new fire chief on. We didn't even get into. Um, everything I had on my list, but we we hit on, on most of this stuff. We didn't we didn't deep dive into the new fire stations or the fire station plan or the Lacrosse Fire Department kind of handing over the they they were in charge of the Holman Fire Department for a little while and they're just 
they're transitioning. They're not going to be in charge of that anymore starting January 1st. So there were other things on the list to talk to that we just didn't get into, but I thought that was a, a pretty fun conversation. Anyway, thanks everybody for listening.